1: right here every day on CBS Sports Radio
0: you know what's every day Moose and Taz be picking away talking about every sport you know that they never miss a play from the NBA to the NFL the college games they always bring in the knowledge nobody ever can try to go stop it
1: Get Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you, too. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get Mortgage. Mike, Pete, across the way. Bogus, sitting in with me. Taz is off for the next three days, beginning today. And he's also got your updates as we go right up until 9 a.m. Eastern time. Come up later on this hour. We're going to talk to, uh, really, a, a baseball savant, former pirate, former Tiger manager, uh, Jim Leland is going to join uh, Bogish, myself, coming your way about 40 minutes from now. We'll talk about uh, the Nats having a 3 0 series lead in the NLCS. ALCS gets going again, once again this afternoon, 4 o'clock Eastern Time, out at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, uh, as it will be Luis Severino for the Pinstripers against Garrett Cole. Those are your starters, as that series is not up at a game of peace. Monday night football game last night went the uh, Green Bay Packers way on a last second 23 yard field goal by Mason Crosby to win it and the Lions uh, sometimes as a as a team that's on the rise you got to figure out how to win games right and the Lions seem to get into their own way because you know a few weeks back in Detroit they were by far the better team against the Kansas City Chiefs had no business losing that game and lost that game because of turnovers and sloppy play as the Chiefs at that stage remained undefeated. Now we know Kansas City has now lost two straight games after that to the Colts and to the Texans, both at home at Arrowhead Stadium. But the Lions were by far the better team. And then last night at Lambeau Field to lead a game 13 nothing bogish and then 22 13. And for the Packers to be able to score, you know, 10 unanswered points to close the game out, highlighted by that, you know, the touchdown pass that brought them within two, and then the Crosby made field goal as time expired to win it. I mean, that is another dastardly loss for the Detroit Lions.
0: And I was ready, Moose. They had won four in a row head-to-head. They smacked the Packers in Lambeau last year, coming off a bye. Um, I-, I was ready for them to win this game last night, to look relatively good in the process. And then this morning to have uh, you know a real conversation about how good they were, big picture, in the NFC. Like many people, they've been very intriguing to me because – of Stafford and Galladay and Carryon Johnson, they can run it. And, and and you know what I I thought Matt Patricia and it was maybe unfair to judge him off just one year, but you know last year felt like Matt Patricia was going towards Charlie Weiss and Romeo Crennel. They were you know good co- good assistants, good coordinators, but maybe weren't ready to be head coaches. That Belichick was Belichick, and nobody else could be him. Even learning right next to him, and I thought then this year you know they had fixed a few things. Certainly looks to be a better overall kind of. Uh, Running a better ship, and then last night, you just bottom line is before we get to the penalties in the fourth quarter, you just can't kick five field goals. You you just two of them were basically point afters. You got to get the ball in the end zone. You got us. It shouldn't have been thirteen nothing. It should have been twenty nothing. And then it could have been a two, you know, a full two touchdown lead going into the fourth quarter if you get touchdowns, not field goals. And again, the penalties probably are the lead story, and they rightly should be in the fourth quarter. But that's the sub headline. Is they left too many points on the field against the yeah, good team disagree. on the road?
1: Yeah, don't disagree. You're right about that. You know, you, you, you know, some coaches will tell you when you're kicking a field goal, you know, you're you're one step closer to losing the game. And you're right. right. Too many field goals last night for the Detroit Lions. Now, the the you know the penalties called on Trey Flowers, though. Uh, I mean, and we are. It is. It's overtaken the National Football League with the amount of penalties that are going on here in the NFL. It is amazing when you look at it. Uh, week in and week out. Uh, you know, the first one that was called on a third and 10 sack, right? Yep. At that midfield. W- at midfield. I mean, that was not hands to the face. Neither was the second one. I mean, listen, he's high up on the shoulder pads. He's not in the face mask. He's not sticking his hand through the face mask on Bakhtiari at all. None of that is transpiring. Both
0: penalties are bad penalties. Yeah. And both of them gave the Green Bay Packers first downs. The, that, the, 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 Here's me again nitpicking the the rule technically says above the sh- like head neck and face so like a throat punch <laughs> is is technically a penalty um and it but it but those are just not penalties would you I mean, have called just, that a penalty last night well, let me let me I'll, I'll say this to you um I did not see the penalties live I woke up this morning to the refs did it again they blew two calls watching it back this morning so like from starting at the point of they mess this up to in no way defend the calls they i can at least see why jeff rice the umpire who called both of them why he thought it was a penalty i could see there's the hand up near the chin. And I think and to his credit, there, his
1: head goes back.
0: And I, I don't know if that's on purpose or because of the contact, but both times he puts his head back, which is one of the telltale signs of hands to the face. Correct. So I, I guess in my mind, I can see how we got the flags. But seeing it 14 different times and having Booger McFarlane yelling in my ear, and I don't remember the guy on ESPN's name. I think it's John Parry who's there, Gene Steratore. Yep. Um, you know, he... he more democratically didn't like the calls either. I'll default to their expertise. They weren't penalties, and in particular they were just horribly timed flags for the Lions because it's it's, it's fourth and more than 10, so they're punting, and then I think it's three plays later they're in the end zone, and then the key to the second one is it lets them take all the time off the clock before the Crosby kickstart. Right. There's no chance. Instead of like about a minute or so for the Lions to counter, they've got nothing. The game's over.
1: Well, I mean, if the, I, have, I think the second one is closer than the first one. I thought the third and ten sack, hands to the face, is an atrocity of a call. I thought the second one, because of Bakhtiari's head going back, I thought that was closer to being a penalty, or I can understand why that gets called a penalty. And that was third and five or third and six, I believe, at the time. Gave him a first down. You mentioned it, you know, that it, it, it allowed the Packers to run at the clock after Jamal Williams went down because the Lions were basically going to let him score to way, try and get the football
0: back, and I Williams love,
1: goes down at the three-yard line.
0: I love both sides of that play. I love the Lions letting him score to get the ball back. And I love him having the wherewithal to sit down and not score. Yeah, I agree with you. On a I very mean, small side note, I love both both sides of that decision.
1: Yeah, I don't, don't disagree with you. And the Lions look obviously very frustrated when Williams decides to go down. And then a couple kneel downs later from Aaron Rodgers, a timeout by the Packers, and Crosby's hitting a chip shot field goal to win it. You're right about the Lions. They left too many points up on the field. They've got to finish off those drives. They can't settle for field goals. They've got to score touchdowns. I'll tell you though this Detroit team, um, even though you've had a couple frustrating losses, and really an opening week frustrating tie against Arizona because yeah. you had no business. Nope. They they should ne- that game should never have ended in a tie. Uh, you know we can get into you know clock management, timeouts for the Lions. That that game should never have been in a tie. Um, it did, um, and that almost felt like a loss the opening week, but Patricia could coach. Um, and they brought in a lot of Patriots to kind of instill his message across the board. They run the ball better. Stafford looks good. They've got playmakers at the wide receiver position. They've invested in that offensive line. There's a lot to like about that Detroit team to think that they are a team that is on the rise. And they've got the right guy at head coach. They yeah. really do.
0: And they're in a very obviously intriguing division um, with four good teams. In the NFC North. Well, I mean, the Vikings maybe trending back towards being good. The last two games looking more like we thought they could look. Um, let's go back to the penalties, though, just for a second. Because on top of those two calls, there's what should have been pass interference on the Lions possession in between those two Green Bay possessions. There should have been pass interference called on a pass on Agreed. the sideline against Kenny Galladay. And I, to me, I connect all of those. If you're going to call hands to the face twice – like, that has got that has to be a penalty, the pass interference, where I, I'm blanking on the defender's name, but he basically, you know, starts a, kind of a clothesline move and affects Kenny, Kenny Galladay going up and raising his arms to make the catch. Like, how is that not a flag if we're going to call hands to the face twice on the same guy in the same scenario with a play right in front of that umpire? You've got guys down the field looking at all of this. Like, that's, the, to me, the inconsistency is the bigger problem here is that some things are penalties, some things aren't. Crews are different. Games are different. And then the overriding thing is, Moose, we're again sitting here yep. not talking about just the game and just a great Rodgers rally or how the Lions blow that. No, you're that. talking about penalties. We're talking about penalties that, you know, and coming off a Sunday where we had that weird scenario in the Chiefs game where they had they call pass interference Involving Jason Kelsey or you know, Travis Kelsey, and they took it away. And, you know, Mahomes had thrown the ball in the end zone because they had a free play, and he didn't, so the pick stood. Uh, that sequence, Cowboys Jets, was like eight straight plays. There was a penalty. Yeah. It just, I, I can't believe that they can't get away from this controversy. It is almost at this point a guarantee per game that you've got a player like leaving on a stretcher, looking terrible for the league, and some kind of significant. Officiating discuss discussion.
1: Well, it's, you're right about that. I mean, it's it's the it's the tone in in every single game for the most uh, most part. And then you can get into the challenges of pass interference right. when coaches are challenging them and they're keeping the call on the field correct, even though you're looking at it and saying, "How is that not pass interference?" Because it almost seems like the officials are bothered by this new rule being put in place. Um, in the National Football League. And that's something that, you know, what was it, Charles Robinson who wrote about it last week? He referenced it in the show that we did last, uh, what was it, last Friday? Yeah. uh, That we did together, Bogus. So, uh, yeah, the NFL's got a problem. I mean, it, it does because we're there to watch the games. We're there not to watch laundry come out on the field. And you want guys to, and you want the game called correctly, certainly. But you also want consistency. And when you're seeing stuff that would say, no, Trey Flowers never been called for a hand to his face over the course of his career. And, I, and I'm not saying that they weren't close calls, right? But when you're having that call kind of being made, where you're bailing the Green Bay Packers out, one on a sack, one on an incomplete pass, both converting, one third and ten, one about third and six or third and seven, whatever it was, to give them a first down and able to control the game situation late in the game. And then you look at the play that you mentioned, where the Lions, tough throw, across the field, clearly the receiver was interfered with, and no flag comes out, you're looking and saying to yourself, I understand it's not the same penalty, but where's the consistency here from the officiating crew to where I'm going to call something that's ticky-tack, but I'm going also not going to call something where a receiver was greatly affected by his ability to catch the football based on the Hands or the arm of a defensive back for the Packers. I'm gonna knock I'm gonna put my flag in my pocket and that's gonna be a no-call. Yeah, that's
0: it, the frustrating aspect. It, it, and, and then we haven't even mentioned the play to start the third quarter um, where Geronimo Allison gets knocked out by a defensive back going to the ground to intercept the pass from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And we're back in this conversation now of we're asking defensive players to basically live in the matrix and contort their body and defy physics. Right, that should physics. never have been a penalty. They can't, it, can't, it can't be a penalty. Right. What, what is that? What is Tracy Wilson, I think is why I have terrible names recognition this morning. I'm sorry about that, Moose. Um, like what is he supposed to do in this scenario where they're both going to, the, to their right, the ball is low, Allison's diving, he's coming in low from behind to make the interception, yep. and their heads just, unfortunately for Allison, happen to collide violently but that just that can't be a penalty. No, that's not in the spirit of the rule. No, I mean, is he, but but I think when I watched it this morning, I think um oh no, I'm sorry. He didn't defend it, but the lead, but the official did after the game. The ESPN guy said it should have been a penalty. Clee Blakeman's explanation was that no matter what, helmet contact is a penalty. Yeah, and if that's tr- the truth, I mean, why we even play him? Because that can't be. Well, that can't be
1: true. You're right about that because his intent was not there. I mean, you can look at guys' intent when it's a defenseless receiver over the middle when they have an opportunity when they lower their head like a bull, um, and all of a sudden, you know, and it's a helmet helmet collision. When you have a guy that is makes the physical play and the commitment and is in the air, uh, right, or is driving towards a. To expect him to all of a sudden stop his momentum or do some kind of twist and turn to prevent that kind of a collision, it's never going to happen. That's why, you know, you look at that play last night, that can't be a penalty. No. That just can't be. Nope. You know, there's some helmet to helmet collisions that cannot be avoided. Right. That there's nobody that is clearly at fault for those helmet to helmet collisions because. It's just human nature. It's a guy going to the ground at the wrong time. It's the you know defensive back making a commitment one way. Like What are you supposed to do if I'm all of a sudden make a commitment as a defensive back where I'm going to hit a guy middle of his chest and all of a sudden that guy at the last second ducks right. his head
0: and I go helmet to helmet? I'm at fault there? Imagine if that same play, the defensive back coming in, he somehow recognizes what... Is gonna about to happen, and he like dies out of the way, or pulls up and throws his hands up, and Allison makes that catch, and it leads to, like the deciding points in that game. We'd be destroying, destroying that guy right. for laying off. Now, I mean, maybe in retrospect, we'd go, "This is the this is what the NFL wanted, and this is the the bed the NFL must lie, and that guys are bailing on legit plays because they're afraid of a quick flag going against them." But like, that's where we're going. Like, th- there is there is no other alternative in that situation for what happened and it can't be a penalty well
1: you're right and you're right about that and I'll bring up an example you're a giant you're a giant fan right yeah remember matthias kiwanuka yeah. vince young yes. on the road tennessee titans the whole thing about the nfl then was protecting the quarterback protecting the quarterback protecting yep. the quarterback he had him wrapped up he didn't want to throw him to the ground because he was afraid he was going to get a penalty they didn't blow the whistle vince young breaks out of it and then, and then has like a big third down completion. And Kiwanuka, after the game, is wearing the goat horns. Yep. Because he was fearful of a penalty at that stage. Now, I'm going back. That's got to be, what, eight, nine years ago that's now? a long time I mean, ago. it's a long time ago when you look at that play. And that's when Vince Young could actually play the quarterback spot and was in the league. <laughs> and Matthias Kiwanuka could actually get to the quarterback, the former BC star. But that actually transpired. What you said actually transpired in a game a long time ago. Not the same rule but we're talking about the spirit of the rule where clearly the way the games were being called affected the player of a play of a player on the field. And it led to a positive play the other way
0: because he didn't finish the job. I still don't think that the solution to all of these issues is full-time officials. Cause it, it's not like they only show up on Sunday and referee a game They're They're working on this from like Wednesday all the way through the week. They get reports on Sunday and they take tests every week and they get little scouting reports on the teams that are coming up. Like, I I don't know exactly how much more time. I don't think the issue here is like ignorance to the rules and the situation. I, I think that maybe we can reassess like whatever physical requirements are of officials, that there are probably guys who. Whether it's like an eyesight thing, a quickness thing, a reflex thing, just overall shape. I mean, I'm 39 years old. I feel like I'm on the borderline of being incapable of physically refereeing an NFL game. And you've got guys who are older than me refereeing NFL games right now. Um, I also, I think, because I want to say that to me the best idea is to have somebody not on the field one person... Whether like he's,
1: they did in the AAF.
0: Yeah, whether he's in New York or actually he's on site, like he can watch things, and while they're discussing on the field, he can come in and go, that's not a penalty, or you guys missed this, and then things get fixed in the moment. But even then... Now we're trusting a guy who might be as incompetent as the guys who are on the field right now. Well, you right would now. hope
1: that somebody watching it on, you know, can look at the play and say whether or not it's pass interference but or not. But he still might
0: have thought that was hands to the face you, in, one, in one of those situations you're right last about night.
1: That. You know, it's open to interpretation, so you're never going to take the human element completely out of it. But the one thing that would also affect when then people would be complaining about the flow of the game. You know, in terms of if a call gets made, then all of a sudden you go up to how long does that process take? How much time are you stopping there? I don't disagree with you. I agree. I'd like to get all the calls right. You know, but I cannot take... When you've got Jim Nance on CBS complaining about the (laughs) amount of flags, (laughs) Mister. I mean, he is Mr. NFL and Mr. Goff. When you've got Nance complaining about the flags, openly complaining about the flags, that's when you're the NFL, you've got a problem.
0: Yeah, and and I'm... I'm trying to think now. I, I had a running count. Not all of those flags in that Cowboys-Jet sequence were like illegitimate. Some of them just had to be called, and oh, you can't I don't disagree with that. You can't not call penalties if the players commit them. You have to call them. Um, so, like that to me was just more annoying than like indicative of the problem that exists now. That the NFL just keeps bungling this and finding new ways yeah. to mess up each weekend. Like, have you ever seen that that, that Chiefs? Uh, Texan scenario? I did see, yeah. No, but like have you ever seen anything no, like no, that no. before?
1: I've never no, no, I've never seen that where all of a sudden pass interference gets picked up and the interception upheld.
0: Well and and then you know I didn't see it live going back through it and Pro Football Talk wrote about it and then they discussed it because Mike Florio was on the Sunday Night NBC coverage as well. There's video of not the referee but one of the guys involved, like he's puts his finger to his earpiece because you know they have headsets so they can yeah. talk to each other and like he puts his Finger to his earpiece, what you do when you're trying to hear something, and then they change the call. So the people are going, and CBS showed this. Like, was somebody in his ear going? That can't be pass interference, because the pass wasn't to Kelsey. Like, this was somebody somewhere in their <laughs> ear uh, adjusting this call. Because how did they? I don't know. Like, That's where good, in the decision? Because the play was moving on.
1: What did Florio? I, I miss Florio on NBC. What do you have to say? Well,
0: about it, he he didn't. The, the, the post on their site was more expansive. On TV, he and Dungy just crushed the whole thing. Yeah, it was terrible. That you can't, it can't. First of all, it's wrong. Second of all, because the mechanics were weird, too. They called it, and then they were about to start up. They were back at the line of scrimmage, and then the conversation started again, which is when the earpiece thing happened, as if somebody was telling them that they were doing it wrong. Yeah, I So it's just it was a, and so the like, end it's not like I've never seen
1: of, anything like that nothing. before. Here's the other thing they have and uh, you know the other issue you have here is the very fact that the experienced guys all ran to TV.
0: Yeah, they knew better.
1: I'm out. I mean, right, they all they all basically Peace. got out. So you're dealing with guys that you've uh, a majority of them you've never seen before that are working their way through certain things too. I'm not saying they, you know, it's all of a sudden they show up and they're like, oh, this is football. (laughs) I've never seen a football game before. Like they've got experience refereeing other, you know, levels of football, but it's different. When you're going from college to the NFL, and certainly. These guys are fast. Yeah, right. It's certainly different, right? I'm used to Australian rules football. <laughs> what is this
0: game? I just came from middle school. Right, Those kids exactly. are slow.
1: Over in England, football, soccer. Football's different over Where's here. Where's the little flag belt? You guys just yanked that off? How, right. how does this work? Uh, so they're dealing with that inexperience as well. Want your calls at 855 212 4227. Taz the Moose. Bogish in the house. Taz is off here on this Tuesday morning. It's CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, CBS Sports Radio's uh, toll-free line of 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Brought to you by Geico. Great news. Quick way you can say bunny. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Let's head out to uh, South Carolina. It's Patrick at CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Patrick? Good morning, Taz. Good morning, Moose. Good morning, Andrew. What's up? What's up? Taz says good moment as he's sleeping right now. What's going on, Patrick?
2: All right, man. Just let you know. Everybody's feeling pretty perplexed about the calls from last night. I just wanted to remind you guys about the Oakland Raiders-Denver Bronco game two years ago. Monday Night Football. We had three untimed downs at the end of that regulation to get that Oakland Raider win. And ever since then, man, I just feel like the NFL has an agenda that the referees come out and, uh, they try to make sure that the things go the way they're supposed to go. And I just wanted to hear you guys weigh in on that.
1: You know, Patrick, I've never felt that way about sports. Uh, and, you know, there are buddies of mine that kind of feel your way, Patrick, that, you know, you know, not that every outcome is predetermined, but that there's a lean or. We're like, oh, know. we
0: need this to get to game six. Correct.
1: Yeah. You know, I, you know, but I, I've never, I've really never felt that way. I mean, I know the NBA, when you come back home, you're going to get the benefit of the whistle. I understand star players get the benefit of the whistle. We all witnessed that with Michael. We see with LeBron. Steph Curry, what have you, you know, to the aggressor go the spoils. You're going to get to the free throw line. Just ask James Harden, uh, who lives at the free throw line for the Houston Rockets. Um, you know, but I've I've never had a scenario where I believed in that kind of conspiracy theory. And and listen, there was some that looked at what Tim Donaghy had to say and said, listen, told you. <laughs> I mean, I, I told you. L- listen to this. I mean, you know, the predetermined guys, referees, guy, you know. You know, I, I told you it's all because I I do think sports is pure. I'm not saying every sporting event, you know, is pure. I'm not saying every boxing match is pure, every horse race is pure. Every I'm not telling you all that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you that road But I I do think when you look at, you know, the NHL, the NBA, the National Football League, Major League Baseball. You no, know, there's so much money involved in today's day and age. I do think at that at that level, Bogish, I do think the sport is pure. I, I, I don't think there's you know any kind of an influence to where this series needs to go longer? The NLCS can't end in a sweep by the Nats. We've got to get this series back to St. Louis. You know now I'm going to call you know uh, an obscene strike zone this after you know right. tonight for for the St. Louis Cardinals, and we're going to try and help them out as best we can to get this series you know back to uh, you know to a game five down in Washington. I don't believe in
0: that kind of stuff. No, my guess is all the things that you think are conspiracy theories are just straight um, incompetence by yeah. the, by the officials <laughs> working the game. <laughs> But – and I don't – I'm not a conspiracy theory guy in general just because they – no matter what, they take a lot of people. And when they take a lot of people, that's when things slip out and come out and whispers happen and somebody gets angry about their spot in the conspiracy theory and then they whisper something to somebody in the media or whatever and then off we go. I mean the idea that like somebody in MLB headquarters is told by like Rob Manfred – so, like, like again, the chain of command would be like Rob Manfred goes, you know what, we really need the NLCS to extend into the weekend. So, like, right. the, the Nats can't at least give me a game five. So, okay, so I'm Rob Manfred, so now my first whatever is to, I don't know what, what I would use some kind of, like, disintegrating phone or I whispered into your a ear. A burner phone, right. So there's no, you know, Mark, get on the horn to Hunter Wendelstadt. Yeah. Who's umping tonight. And just, you know, he's not going to understand, you know, just tell him, Tell him Nats and five, and he'll get it. You right. Know, or... No. Tell him two words, Eric Gregg. Right. What's the you know What's the code word? We're gonna, yeah, we're going to eg this one. Right. Eg. LeVon so Hernandez,
1: you... <laughs> Braves, Marlins. Go back and watch that strike zone, so Eric now... Gregg. God bless his
0: soul. So now you've at least got three guys involved in all of this, but then you've also got like the other six umpires who might see the the strike zone tonight and go, that seems fishy. Why? Well, yeah, right. He's exactly. usually a better umpire. Cool. Like that seemed to be a little outside. Like. Why are you calling that a strike? Or, you know, maybe his last extra stipend for throwing game one of the LDS hadn't come in yet. And to keep the league honest, he might whisper something to somebody about like so like yeah, it's just it's none of these it's just not feasible in my head that the league is dictating how games should be played out. I just think sometimes uh, umpires slash referees suck at their job. Yes, I, I don't disagree with you.
1: I, I don't. And so, you know, I look at you know that and, and I get you get bad calls and guys as 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 Bogus was mentioned, guys that do a terrible job. I think that's really what it is. It's more incompetency. Um and I agree with Andrew than than anything else. It's frustrating. As that as that might be, listen. I root for the Redskins. They're incompetent of its own right. I wish. <laughs> Can I get I wish, some help? I wish it came down to a play call, three on uh, time downs at right. the end of a game. I wish there was meaningful, impactful hands to the face at the end of the game. <laughs> you know, I got guys. I got buddies of my guys, buddies of mine texting me, "Hey, great job beating the Dolphins." Yeah,
0: yeah. I know you're only a couple games out. <laughs> I mean, that's happened around here too. Like, whoa. The two and four giants are one game yeah, behind, and they have 4 winnable, right there, yeah, and they've got four winnable games coming up. Like these are the giants. I know those two initial Daniel Jones wins were great, but have you seen the Giants play defense? I mean, they they're got, terrible. They got Kyler Murray this weekend. If you don't think Kyler Murray and David Johnson. And Chase Edmonds and the possibility of Christian Kirk coming back and Larry Fitzgerald are going to carve up this Giants linebackers and secondary. You're not you haven't been paying attention for like the last decade. Yeah, the uh, Giants are not going to in any way recover to compete in the NFC East this year. They're not going either. The they kind of run.
1: I totally agree. Eight five five two one two four CBS is your number to call all morning long. It's Taz and the Moose. Bogus in for the vacationing day off. Taz. Uh, And Taz is out today, tomorrow, and Thursday. So Andrew will be filling in. He'll be back with us on
0: Friday morning. Uh, Andrew, you got an update for us. What's going on, brother? And this one is sponsored by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Somehow, we again left an NFL game with major, valid complaints about the officiating. The Packers scored a touchdown early in the fourth quarter. Then Mason Crosby kicked a 23-yard field goal as time expired to steal a 23-22 win from the Lions at Lambeau. Both those drives extended by sketchy hands-to-the-face calls against Lions defensive end Trey Flowers. Matthew Stafford was not getting involved post-game. We know we're not playing the
1: officials, playing the Packers. Calls are going to go your way, go against you. I haven't, I got
2: no clue which ones were close or not, but um, that's the way it goes.
0: His Lions led 13-0, then 22-13, in position for their fifth consecutive win head-to-head. Instead, they dropped to 2-2-1, and while the Packers improved to 5-1. It's nearing decision time for the Panthers. Cam Newton reportedly ready to return to practice from his foot injury. Carolina is off this week. They're 4-0 with Kyle Allen filling in. It is not decision time in Tampa Bay. Meanwhile, Bucs head coach Bruce Arian said yesterday he has not considered benching Jameis Winston after five picks and a fumble in Sunday's loss to those Panthers in London. Winston's 10 interceptions on the season trail only Baker Mayfield's 11. And Steelers' D-tackle, Stefan Tuitt reportedly suffered a season-ending torn peck in Sunday night's win at the Chargers. First, it was Annabelle Sanchez, then Max Scherzer, Now Steven Strasburg. Here's the 0-2. Swing and a miss. He got him on a changeup.
2: Steven
1: Strasburg fans a dozen St. Louis Cardinals over seven innings. That's
0: Dave Jagler on Nats Radio. Strasburg's night was done at that point. Seven innings, an unearned run, seven hits, no walks, and those 12 Ks. He had plenty of support. A 4-0 lead after three. Three doubles, three RBI from Howie Kendrick. A solo shot from Victor Robles after missing five games with a hamstring injury. Put it all together, it's an 8-1 win, and the Nats can now sweep the Cardinals at 8 tonight in D.C. But first, it's game three of the ALCS. That's at 4 Eastern Yankee Stadium. The Yanks and the Astros breaking their 1-1 tie with Luis Severino and Garrett Cole on the mound. Uh, Not sure, Moose, if Taz is away right now interviewing for the Mets job uh, but their search does continue. Eduardo maybe. Perez, maybe Taz is involved, Eduardo Perez reportedly getting a second interview with the team, the 13-year vet and current ESPN analyst. The whole
1: interview went well
0: for Eduardo. Uh, I guess uh, he's also been the Astros' bench coach and the Marlins' hitting coach, so he at least has some dugout experience and listen, don't since don't his mind, playing career. I don't mind the Mets doing their due diligence.
1: I really don't. Uh, you know, Whether it be Beltron, who basically says, I, I, I can't wait to manage. Now the Mets are the only team I want to manage, but I can't Good. wait to manage. Now, you throw in Eduardo Perez, you throw in Mike Bell, who's what, the senior director of uh, the, the minor leagues, I believe? Yeah, he's the
0: farm director for farm the Diamondbacks. Farm director
1: for the, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, whether it be Girardi, whether it be Buck Showalter. I don't mind them talking to all these guys because I think you can, as far as intel and information, you can see what the perception of your team is from other vantage points and other viewpoints. I, right. I think that's doing your due diligence. Now, if you mean to tell me they hire you know, Mike Bell or Eduardo Perez over, say, Joe Girardi? <laughs> because they don't want then, to pay
0: Joe Girardi money?
1: Then I've got a problem. Agreed. Then I've got a problem. I mean, because I, I think it just makes too much sense for Girardi. He still, you know, he had success with the Yankees for 10 years. He knows the marketplace. You're in a win-now scenario. Why? You want to minimize risk. Girardi makes all the sense in the world that I think Girardi's a better candidate than Buck. Is me I think too. I think Buck can be a little divisive.
0: Yeah, I don't. I've never. I, I could accept Dusty Baker before Buck Showalter. I feel a little Lebron ish. It's just my belief. I can't put my finger on exactly why I'm like lukewarm on Showalter. Maybe it is just the overall kind of, you know, the 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 atmosphere, the demeanor, the roughness. I don't. I don't. Just don't know if that's what the Mets actually need. Yeah. So give me Girardi. Give me Dusty Baker. Give me Beltran before anybody else. Uh, Those three guys.
1: I I would put them in that exact order.
0: Yeah, and I think to me Beltron is the only um, the only kind of first timer I'd sign up for. Mets can't the Mets can miss on Beltron if he somehow doesn't work out. I get it but you can't swing and miss on Joe Espada or Eduardo Perez, who have no Mets connections.
1: Agreed. I think that's a a very valid point. We're going to talk a little baseball. Jim Leland, former uh, manager, I mean, all-time great baseball man, Uh, legendary, legendary face and voice in Major League Baseball, Uh, manager with the Pirates and the Tigers, going to join Bogus and myself next. We'll talk a little NLCS, a little ALCS. Game three this afternoon out at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. Some of these managerial openings as well, as he'll join us next. Taz Moose, CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, let's get into a little baseball. NLCS, 3-0 series lead for the Nats. Yankees and Astros get going once again. Game three later on this afternoon in the Bronx. Let's welcome aboard legendary manager with the Tigers and the Pirates as well. Jim Leland um, joins us now. Hey Jim, Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogus, with you. Thanks for a couple minutes this morning. We certainly appreciate it.
2: No problem, guys.
1: Uh, you know, Jim let's let's start here. You know, for the Nats, I mean, it is amazing for a franchise that you know couldn't find wins in the postseason. You know, to come back the way they did against Hayter and the Brewers in that wild card game, right? 2-1 down against the Dodgers. 3-1 down in the eighth against uh, in game five in Los Angeles to win that. And now to be up 3-0 with this dominant starting, whether it be Annabelle Sanchez, Scherzer, and Strasburg last night with the 12 strikeouts. I mean, it seems like after that Brewer victory, I mean, that whole entire team started to believe that they could actually win in October.
2: Well, I mean, they got a good team. And they've had some good teams in the past. You know, playoffs are a different thing. Sometimes you, you know, you can do well in the playoffs. But other times, things don't go right. And you get beat. But they've had uh, some some good teams in Washington, obviously. And, and this one's clicking at the right time. Their starting pitching has been fantastic. They're getting some big hits. They're putting the ball in play with two strikes. It happened last night quite a bit. Randolph a couple a couple different times put the ball in play. I think they might have been the best two strike hitting team in the National League this year. So. Uh, you know, right now they're they're clicking. They got that uh, dominant starting pitching, and uh, you know it looks like they're going to uh, probably close this series out. You know, at some point within the next couple of days.
0: Jim, on the flip side, how, how do you handle this if you're Mike Shields? How do you get your bats to wake up? How do you keep your guys focused when you know three nothing is is almost insurmountable? How do you how do you start the rally with game four today?
2: Well, I don't think, I mean, you can't be phony about it. You can't try to run from it. They're not hitting. They know that. Uh, Is there any secret, you know, therapy for it? No. I mean, you just keep grinding it out and you just try to win one game in in a short series. You know, you win one game. Okay. you're, You're down three to one. Okay. You win another game. You're down three to two. You just have to, you know, the one at a time, I know that gets old talking about, but that's really what it is. You just, that's basically what playoff baseball is. So uh, you know, you just got to go out and win a baseball game. And there's no magic for it. There, you know, I've been through it myself for postseason. There was some times we hit, and there was other times we didn't. And, we, and when we didn't hit, we got beat. So the other thing I think you got to remember is postseason it can happen because in the postseason, the, the reason those teams are there probably is because they got good pitching. <laughs> and, you know, if you look up the matchup in, in uh, New York today, I mean, that's good pitching. I know Severino's coming back and, and hasn't pitched that much lately, but, you know, you're running into really top-notch pitching when you're running into playoff teams, and that's, that's got a chance to shut you down. You
1: know, aside from the pitching, when you look at his Nat team, how impressed, given his age, are you, Jim, by, you know, what Juan Soto is? Um, you know, up at the plate, kind of being the face of that team, taking over. I know Rendon's an MVP, candidate. he's fantastic as well, but what, given his age, how good is Juan Soto?
2: Well, he's really good. I mean, everybody knew about him. I saw him in the minor leagues. Actually, uh, you know, this kid's something special. We know that uh, he's a really, really special potential offensive player. Uh, you know, he has fun playing the game, and, and uh, you know, he's on the right team with uh, with some veteran guys there, like the Randall. he's going to possibly be the MVP. So, you know, they got a couple veteran catchers that, that have been around. They know what they're doing, and he has got some big hits for him. You know, so. There's a lot of things. Zimmerman came up with a couple of big hits last night. There's a lot of things. Kendrick, there, yep. there's a lot of players that are, are, are kind of letting him do his thing. He's so talented. He's so good. Uh, but, you know, you, you got that kind of you got that insurance when you got those veteran players around and, and uh, you know, it's helping him out. And it takes a lot of pressure off him.
0: Jim, obviously uh, you want to get this series over as soon as possible, but w- would there be any concern in your mind if you were Dave Martinez about a sweep leading to a long break before the world series?
2: Well, I went through that yep, a couple times right. and, and it is a concern, uh, but you know, you can't worry about that. You got to close it out as quickly as possible. And, you know, you do the best you can one year. We, uh we worked out at Ford Field in Detroit, uh, you know, we went over bunk plays and everything like that. It ended up being disastrous. The other the next time we uh we actually had our uh instructional league come up to Detroit and we actually uh competed in games to try to keep ourselves sharp, had our pitchers pitch against us and vice versa. So, you know, you try to be creative and do whatever you can, but uh you know the fact that if you if you start laying off for seven days, I think you can lose some some of that mojo that you got going some of the excitement
1: well if dave martinez gave you a call jim what what advice would you give him
2: well i was just say just what i just said you know try to figure out some way to be a little bit creative to keep him going and keep the uh you know keep the attitude going and keep the excitement of, of washington dc going you know you have to you have to be a little bit creative and do something i don't know like i said we we brought our instructional team sure. up and played and we tried other things but uh you know, and I don't know if that's the reason we lost or not. I, I can't I can't answer that. But, you know, like I said, just try to come up with some idea that, that that keeps them sharp. But it's hard to do that if you're not seeing game competition.
1: And now, you know, we've got game three of the ALCS this afternoon in the Bronx, Yankees and Strohs. We've been waiting for this one, you know, you know all season long, right? The two titans of the American League going at it, and... You know, a it, splendid pitching matchup here with Garrett Cole. I mean, the fact that Garrett Cole, last 24 starts, he's 18-0 and 0 with an under-2 ERA, uh, and we've seen guys have great runs. I mean, this is an epic all-time run that Garrett Cole has put through this year.
2: No question about it. You know, he's throwing great right now. You know, he's got that confidence. He knows he's got a great team behind him. They've got a good defense. They've got a good offense. I think they're they're really a well-rounded team. They do a lot of things well. And uh, you know, I think he's feeding off that. He, he's got co- so much confidence in those players, and you know, they're one of those teams that it seems like it's a different guy. You know, Bregman and Brantley and Correa and Altuve. I mean, they're really, really good. First baseman doesn't get much credit. He's really a good-looking hitter. Uh, so they got a lot of things going for them. And I think, you know, starting pitcher knows that. Uh, you know, the other night they actually hit some balls halfway decent off Verlander, but guys made plays and. Uh, you know, the great play that uh, Correa made after the ball was hit to Altuve. I mean, that looked like it was going to be a run. So, you know, it, it's it's a combination of a lot of things. And, of course, you know, this guy was the number one pick in the yep. country. years ago. So, I mean, th- this is not like this is some guy that all of a sudden surfaced out of nowhere. This guy's been really good for a long time.
0: Jim, uh, the rain that's coming here to New York tomorrow might affect when they actually do it. But both teams are prepared to have a bullpen game in this series um, it kinda of bothers me that they don't they that neither one of them has a fourth starter they can trust to get to make this one start in the series before flipping it back to the to their main three guys.
2: Well I agree with that. I like I like to see teams uh, you know, pitch a fourth starter, uh, you know, possibly. Uh you know, I know the bullpen game has become fashionable at some times, uh and if you have to do it, you have to do it. But, you know, I, I would like to see a fourth starting pitcher pitch a game, but you know, that's uh you have to do the best you can with what you got, and you got to, you know, when you're in the postseason, you got to go about it any way you can. It thinks you know, it gives you the best chance to win the game. So both managers are doing a great job. All four managers really. I mean, St. Louis is not hitting, but they're all four have done a great job to get there, and it's an exciting time, and it's going to really be exciting in New York today. And I guess uh, maybe with the rain out tomorrow, that could change your pitching plans.
1: Yeah, it could affect it a little bit. Um, put that, you know, potential rain out on Wednesday night with rain in the forecast in the New York area. Jim, how do you think this Astros and Yankees series plays out?
2: Well, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I learned a long time ago when you're in the business, uh, you know, don't start predicting who's going to win because I don't nobody knows. You know, I think you, you make a fool of yourself. You know, I've heard heard guys talk about that. You know, a lot of the guys at home here ask me, hey. You know, you ought to know who's going to win. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I if I had any idea who was going to win, I I might be in the World Series myself. So, yeah, it's, a- uh, you know, it should be a great series. You know, I thought the Cardinal and Washington series would be a little bit better, you know, uh a couple of games and maybe make it a little bit more uh, interesting, and it still may be. But uh, I don't know. You're talking about – I think you're talking about without question – uh, two two best teams in the American League. They're going at it right now. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a big hit. It's going to be one play. I mean, did the play that two Tuve, the freak play the other night, turn yeah. the series around? Who knows? You know, you just never know. But uh, it, it's two really, really good, good teams. And, and uh, with, with uh, you know, good pitching, Yankees, uh, you know, bullpen probably a little bit better. Houston starters probably better. But, uh, you know, two great teams.
1: Uh, Jim, we got about a minute here. Do you like, uh, you know, do you have any, is it frustrating at all, as successful as you were as a manager, to see kind of the way the managerial job has shifted here in Major League Baseball?
2: Well, you know, I don't know if it's shifted exactly as much as everybody says it has. I think it has shifted some. I'm not really privy to that kind of information. I, you know, some people talk about sending lineups down and that. I don't know if those are suggestions. I don't know if those are uh, this is what you got to play today. I don't really believe all that. I think there's, uh, you know, there's more involvement. Basically, there's more information. There's been, but uh, you know, we we had the same information when I managed today. There's a little bit more of it. Uh, to more that they talk a little bit about technology in today's game, but yep. you know, we had technology when when I was in the game years back. I remember the guy that. The guy that manufactured the first iron mic machine was technology. The guy that made the curveball machine was technology. You know? I mean that was tech that was technology when a guy you know yeah. that had the iron mic machine, threw it straight. Then they came up with a curveball machine yeah. that threw breaking balls to hit her. I mean that seriously, that's all technology. No, now they're talking about the high high speed cameras and stuff. You know, I I, I understand technology. I've been around a long time. So well, and and I Jim, think-
1: you were great as a manager. We're flat out of time. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs, all right? You got it. Thanks. You got it, Jim Leland. Uh, there you have it. His thoughts. You're right. Technology. Those are all advances back then. We'll come back to three. Taz Boost. CBS Sports Radio.